Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 14. Now, how many of you know that all of us are at a different place in our faith, in our walk with God, and we all have different belief systems, uh, you know, expressions, better yet, and maybe our belief systems are a little different. There are those of you today that you don't believe in the miracle of healing. Not mad at you. Uh, but when you get sick, you're going to believe in healing. This is a bottom line. I mean, that's the way we roll. And, and I'm okay with that. I, I mean, that your faith may, you may not have faith for miracles. You may not have faith for healing. And, and, and you know, maybe some of you do. And our faith is, uh, the, the key component of our faith is, is faith in Christ, obviously. Just focusing and saying, do I believe that Jesus is the Son of God? The problem in Christianity and in most religions is we want to create clones instead of followers. I want everybody to look like me, act like me, talk like me, believe like me, talk. I mean, we want to agree on everything. Folks, that's a pipe dream. Not going to happen. So what can we do? We can learn how to walk our pathway of faith, encourage others in their faith, and stay in love with God and one another. That's the ultimate goal. So when Paul is writing to the church at Rome, there's, there's a little bit of a challenge here. And I'm going to read this out of the Message Bible first. It says, Welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something you don't agree with, even when it seems that they are strong on opinions but weak in the faith department. Remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. For instance, a person who has been around for a while might well be convinced that he can eat everything on the table anything on the table, while another with a different background might assume he should only be a vegetarian and eat accordingly. But since both are guests at Christ's table, wouldn't it be terribly rude if they felt to criticizing what the other ate or didn't eat? God, after all, invited them both to the table. Do you have any business crossing people off the guest list or interfering with God's welcome? If there are corrections to be made or manners to be learned, God can handle that without your help. So the challenge in life is being critical of other people who are in a different place than us, in their walk, in their faith, in their life, whatever the case may be. And uh, the goal of life is not to bring correction, but walk in such a way that the direction in which you and I are walking, it, it leads to Christ. The Bible says faith works by love. So we should never be arrogant in our faith. We should never be arrogant about our faith. We should be a people that stay synchronized with the purpose of God. Now, in the NIV, it says, Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man who, whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not eat, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does. For God has accepted him. So throughout history, and it's not so much the case anymore, but denominational battles and Baptist against Assembly of God, Nazarene against Methodist, Catholic against Protestant, all of those things 
are self-defeating. They defeat the purpose of why Christ came, for us to uh, be at odds with other people's expression of faith. And, and, you know, for years, it was the great battle. Uh, and, and it's not as much anymore, but it's still a little bit where people say, well, what church do you go to? And, and the minute you tell them, they, they act like they can't associate with you anymore uh, because, you know, you're one of those chandelier-swinging churches and you babble in tongues and, you know. And, and so you start altering your faith in order to satisfy that relationship, and it violates the core conviction in you. Now, you shouldn't push it on them. You can just tell somebody, you don't have to pray in tongues. You don't have to believe in miracles. You don't have to believe in healing. I love you. Do you love God? I love God. We love God. Let's keep the faith. Instead of battling over these, these issues. And, you know, a lot of people... But, you know, for years, people would criticize Catholics. And say, well, you know, well, if you, if you have a Catholic neighbor, you start working on them because you don't think it's possible that they know God. But you don't know their heart. And so the idea here is we get out of sync. This is entitled Synchronized Faith. What are the issues that get us out of sync with our faith? What are the things in your life? I'm going to give you three little things that I think are the foundation that challenge us and keep us out of sync with believing God and staying in faith and walking out a life filled with love and peace and joy and mercy and all the things that come with being filled with God and His Spirit. Now, sometimes what gets us out of sync is we question God. And you say, well, is that okay? Sure, it's okay. But typically, God's going to answer when He wants to and how He wants to. So oftentimes we're asking God, why, why, why? I don't know how many times you ask God why, but he's usually silent. Now, if I want to ask God what, God, what do you want me to do now? God will get right on that. Because it's like you do need to know what to do. You don't need to know why it happened. There's one thing in the Bible that Jesus himself does not know that the Father knows. Only one thing. That God has refused to share with Jesus. Some of you know what it is, most don't. You never think about it. But here we are, Jesus is the very Son of God, came to earth, died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended to the right hand of God, and he himself told the world that he would be back. But he didn't give them a time. And you know why he didn't give them a time? Because God didn't tell him. Now Jesus didn't get all bent out of shape. Come on, man, I died. Come on, Father, tell me. Jesus says, why aren't you going to tell me? Because it says in Matthew 24, verse 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. No one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Now, I'm wondering if God didn't do that just to say, follow Jesus. It didn't bother him, and it doesn't bother him that he doesn't know when I'm going to send him back. We're all stuck on trying to figure out, God, why did I get a ticket and 50 other people going faster than me did? Didn't get one. I got one. You ever been in that? It's like a cop goes, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. There goes Mark Crow. <laughs> I'm going to pull him over. And then you're sitting there and you know you're speeding. You're right there with everybody else. But he picked you out of that wonderful bunch. How blessed you are that he picked you. And you go, why did you pick me? Why did I get a ticket? Why didn't everybody else? Shut up! You were speeding. You deserve it. You took the bullet for everybody. You ought to pound your chest and say, yeah, I took it for all ten of you idiots. That's right. But we always ask, why? Why me? Why didn't this happen? Why didn't God do this? Why did God? Why, why, why? And, and when we do that, let me tell you what happens. 
Our focus is no longer on exercising faith that no matter why it happened, what happens next, I'm not going to go fast, at least on that stretch of road. And let me just give you a police warning right now. Do not speed on the new Highway 74 going north up to... Yeah, don't do that. All you police officers busted. Yeah, they're sitting up there shooting you now that that highway is built, baby. It's like boom, boom, boom. They're getting raises and new motorcycles. Anyway, so <laughs> bottom line is we need to trust God. Put our faith in God. We get out of sync with God. God never gets out of sync with us. He is always synchronized with our lives, our desires, our passions. The problem is we get out of sync when we look around. And the questions I'm about to ask or Quest Faith is, has asked. Number one question is, why do bad things happen to good people? You ever wonder that? Why do bad things happen to good people? Let me tell you something. You are not saved, and I am not saved by my good works. And the outcome of my life is not always because of good works. Matter of fact, the Bible says there's no one good, not even one. So how can bad things happen to good people if there are no good people? And the Bible says there's no one good, not even one. The only hope we have is that we're the righteousness of God in Christ. So if anything bad happens, I can just go, I suck anyway. But some of y'all be going, I, I did everything Jesus told me to do today. I love people, that stupid person. In fact, you called them stupid, recognizing that you think they're stupid. Not good. And so we always bring those good things before God. But the fact is, we're saved by grace, and everything that we get from God is grace. There's absolutely nothing that we earn, nothing I've earned, nothing you've earned. We are simply people that need to stay synchronized in faith. When bad things happen, they just happen. And sometimes bad things happen to good people. Now look at this in Matthew 5, 44. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now this is the beginning. This verse, we often miss this. This is the foundation to being able to endure what you and I consider to be injustice. Unfairness. This is how you endure. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Does it mean that the next verse, this is why you're, th this is happening? Listen to this. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. I didn't write it. I just read it. And I know this, that the righteous can endure if we understand that we don't have to know why something happened. God doesn't owe you an explanation. He doesn't owe me an explanation. He doesn't owe us an explanation. Jennifer and I had six kids. But we have five living kids. We lost number five. Victoria is te technically number six. I don't know why Anastasia didn't make it. She was just a little bitty thing. But she didn't make it. And in the midst of that, we could have gone, oh, God, where were you? And, and then instead, I look around, I got four, at that time, four beautiful kids. Why am I not thanking him for the four kids I have? Staying in sync with God is sometimes just simply being grateful and finding gratitude for what you do have, not what you don't have. Because everybody has been shorted in life in some way, shape, form, or fashion. All of us have. And the whole demonic agenda is for you and I to lose our faith, to quit believing God, 
and to just discount. God, where were you? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? I'm a good person. No, you're not. <laughs> well, maybe you are, but that's not why good things happen. It's really not. I mean, it's, it, everything good that happens to us comes down from the Father of heaven. And it's His grace and His mercy. We're not saved by our works, so we're not protected as a result of them. My pastor, one of my first pastors, Billy Joe Darty, 57 years old, probably the most diligent, faithful Christian I've ever met in my life. I was around him. He had, at that time, either the largest church in America, one of the fastest growing churches in America, back in the 70s and 80s, and uh, we were all stunned. I preached for him just three weeks before he went to heaven, and I thought for sure. He watched me from the hospital room as I was preaching in his church in Tulsa, and I just knew that if anybody was going to get healed, I believe in healing, I believe in miracles, and he didn't get healed the way I wanted him to get healed. And I can promise you he didn't get healed the way his kids and his wife wanted him to get healed. And you know what? You can sit around, and I can sit around all day long, and the, the famous question is, where was God when he passed? In the very same place he was when his son passed. Seated on the throne, knowing all along that redemption would not leave him dead, but he would rise again, that he would forever be with God. Again, it's not what we wished, it's not what we wanted, it's not what we thought. We don't always get our way. We're not an entitled people. We are a people that have been forgiven because one man gave his life for the sins of all mankind. And that every day that we draw breath is a blessing from heaven. Every day that we rise up in the morning is a gift from God. Question, should people of faith expect to be exempt from difficulty? Listen, when you get born again, your fight just begins. Because the Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The mission of hell and the mission of Satan is to take you out. But really not take your physical presence out, but to remove your destiny and purpose from this earth. The devil would have loved nothing more than for me to quit preaching. He wasn't after my body. He knows I'm going to die someday. Big deal. You're all going to die. What a great church to be in. I'm so encouraging. We're all going to die. That's a given. But let me tell you something. The worst thing that can happen to you and me is for the gift and the purpose of God to die while you still have life. Don't you ever give in to your sin, your shame, your failure, your flaws. Don't ever quit. You will be criticized for standing up and rising up out of the ashes of your sin. Rise up anyway. Satan is after your witness. He's after your testimony. He's after your call. He's after your destiny. You didn't become who you became before the fall because of you. You became that because of him. And you remain that because of him. We didn't call ourselves. He called us. And he said, my gifts and callings are without repentance. They're irrevocable. But guess what? We get out of sync in our faith saying, God, you couldn't possibly do anything with me. Look at what I've done. Then Jesus steps up and looks over and goes, look at what I've done. 
I did what I did so you could do what you're doing. So quit using your excuse and start using my cross. John 16, 31 says, Jesus answered, do you finally believe? In fact, you're about to make a run for it, saving your own skins and abandoning me. But I'm not abandoned. The Father is with me. I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. Jesus is saying this. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. But take heart, I've conquered the world. Let's just take the story of Joseph for a moment, the Old Testament. Joseph, this young baby of all these brothers, he had a dream and a coat of many colors. And Joseph, in our world today, would have been considered kind of a sissy. I mean, first off, he was flashy. He had this disco look back in the day. His brothers were out in the fields feeding and plowing and doing everything. And Joseph's at home. His dad makes him a coat of many colors. And his brothers are so angry when Joseph says, someday you're going to bow down to me. Well, first off, I'm not real sure Joseph should have shared the dream. But then if you read it on, you know he should have. Because had he not shared the dream, he would never have come into the position he did to save millions of people. So you see, you never know why, what, you never know why bad things might be happening to you, wonderful, sweet, good person. Because Joseph had done nothing wrong. As a matter of fact, he had been in the presence of God, and God deposited a dream from heaven into his soul, into his heart, that would one day put him second in command in Egypt over all the grain and over all the food of the nations. He goes to the pit, sold by his brothers after that. They were going to kill him. One brother said, no, let's just sell him. They sell him. Then he goes in to Egypt, and he's falsely accused by by Potiphar's wife and then he's thrown in prison and and he's left there they nobody comes to get him but he has a dream the king hears that he can interpret dreams he interprets dreams he gets out of prison rises to second position in the kingdom that's a long time you know what we would have been doing most of us why am I here I didn't do anything but have a flashy coat or a sergeant pepper lonely hearts club shirt what did I do why, why, why am I here? My brothers are meaner than me and they're out living free. Why am I here? Because Joseph, I gave you a dream. I have a plan for your life that's even bigger than theirs. But we get out of sync in our faith and we quit believing God in the face of adversity and difficulty. We begin to lose our faith. And we quit and we wallow and we use excuses and our sin to keep us from our destiny instead of using His cross to accomplish His purpose. What if what you're going through right now is setting you up for something absolutely phenomenal? We can't ever explain why things happen. I, I'd love to tell you I know exactly how my life should have played out. But i got to believe this, that God didn't look at Jesus and go, why is that happening? Do you, what happened? It's not like, you can't catch God off guard. You just can't. God didn't go, oh, I can't believe we dropped the ball on that one. Second, men to bad people. Come on, we all know somebody who's just wickeder than Satan himself, who's today living in a $2 million home, and they got, you know, a $5 million boat, and, and they just over there flipping you off when they get up in the morning as they look across. Hey, 
you, stupid Christian. <laughs> God, why? Why do they have all the wealth and money? Look, become their friend. They pay the taxes. They pay the bill. You just have fun. Why are you getting mad at people with money, baby? Write it with them. You see what I'm saying? And so we're looking and saying, well, they're bad. Can I tell you something? There's not one bad person on this earth and there never has been. There have been some really good people do really bad things, but nobody's bad. How do I know that? Because God created all of us and God didn't create any bad. If you go home with nothing else, go home with that. Write that on your refrigerator, your mirror. I ain't so bad after all. Pastor said, I ain't bad. No, but you can still be stupid. (laughs) Because it runs deep in all of us. But some people quit because you begin to define who you are by what you've done. You're not defined by what you've done. You're defined by what Jesus did. Therefore, you're defined by who you are. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. Bible makes it very clear. It says, commit, in Psalm 37, 5, Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. Who? It leads you to evil when you follow evil. Whatever you look to, you will follow. So if you look to evil and you're criticizing other people's success because they don't know God and somehow God's blessing them and He's not blessing you, then you will begin to get out of sync with your faith because you're looking at their success and their evil. And you don't even know how evil they are. They might just be waiting on someone like you to love them and encourage them and tell them it can be all right. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Synchronized faith does not require that we understand the blessing of God on the wicked. If you're trying to figure out why God's blessing somebody you don't like, or somebody who doesn't love God, stop. It will steal from you. It will rob from you the joy of life. Focusing on good things and bad people behavior steals the joy of life. question is, are you where you're supposed to be? Doing what you're supposed to be doing. Real simple. The joy of life is getting up every day, one day at a time, and enjoying that day. If I look back, it ain't pretty. If I look ahead, it's often frightening. Because tomorrow's an illusion. Yesterday's history. Tomorrow's a mystery. We have today. And it requires everything we can do today to synchronize our faith with the truth that we possess, not the truth we don't understand. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. We'll never understand. We also get out of sync when we look to others to find our confidence. Our confidence is in God. Lastly, why do we experience unanswered prayer? Why doesn't anything happen when we pray? Any of you ever been there? Well, first off, there really is no such thing as unanswered prayer. Every prayer you pray is answered, typically just not the way we'd like it. 
I am so glad. I want to do a whole series entitled, I'm so glad God doesn't answer all my prayers. I am glad. Because in 2013, I was so depressed. I was so depressed. Didn't realize how depressed I was. But I would get on airplanes. I would place my hand on the airplane and ask God to make it crash. And then I was mad when another plane crashed right after that. (laughs) I was like, why couldn't that have been mine? You say, you were sick. I was sick. Sickly depressed. What if God would have answered those prayers? I wasn't thinking about my destiny. And more selfish than that, I wasn't thinking about his purpose for my life. I was just in such pain, I wanted to die. I wasn't going to kill myself. But I was not going to be mad because I'm thinking, I'm going to heaven. Come on, man. You can't scare a Christian with heaven. You just can't. Not if you really know that there will be no more utility bills. It's promised. No mortgage, no taxes. I like all those things. I mean, sickness and disease, that's cool. But I just am thrilled that I don't have to pay bills anymore. No traffic tickets. Well, honey, there probably will be for me. I hate to tell you. I plan to drive fast on gold, all right? Uh, Can you imagine? I promise you, when I get to heaven, there will be a Maserati awaiting me at the gate. There will be. Yeah, I'm going to have a slew of motorcycles and cars. And uh, if you live next door to me, just get earmuffs because they're going to be loud. You say, how do you know that? I don't, but I'm in sync, my faith. So this becomes the number one question, and why? God, you you don't answer prayer. Why, Why are my prayers unanswered? Well, really they're not. And let me just put it this way. Don't let what you do know about God be affected by what you don't know about God. Too often, what we don't know about God interferes with what we do know about God. And can I tell you what I know about God? He's a good God. He's a God of love. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of salvation. He's a God of forgiveness. I know those things about God. Now, there are days that that I don't sense those and I don't feel those and I don't even see those. But in my heart of hearts, I know that I was on my way to death when I was 20 years old. I remember standing in a shower one day having done so many drugs and so much alcohol that my brain was roaring. I remember vividly times when I should have been dead and I stayed alive I'm just grateful I'm alive now some of you angels you precious people the most you've ever done is drunk too many Dr. Peppers in one day I feel so sorry for you honey caffeine's killing me it's killing me sugar 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 oh it was frightening but Jesus saved me from Dr. Peppers so thank you Dr. Jesus all right so John 15, 7 says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you. Foundation. Foundation. You abide in me, my words abide in you. Then, then, then you will ask what you desire. Why will I ask what I desire and get it then? Because what he desires is in me. And what I desire is in him. This is not a separate desire outside of God that affords me the privilege of making God my butler. It says, God, I am so hidden in you, and your word is so real in me, that whatever things I ask are in line and in sync with what you want for my life. This is not about commanding God to do what I want Him to do, because oftentimes the commands I would have would destroy me. 
God always answers prayer. It just doesn't always look like the one we want. So in my situation, I say, God, what now? Because you've answered prayer, somebody's prayer. Maybe it wasn't mine. Maybe somebody doesn't like you. And you God, make them like me, make me like No, God, make me like them. Well, I already do like them. Then be good with that. <laughs> them liking you is not important. See, my faith is not in my prayers. And this is the problem. Most of us put faith in our prayers instead of faith in my God. My faith is in my God, not my prayers. All I have to do to stay synchronized with God is not to have faith that he's going to answer the way I want, but have faith that he knows better. I could be all bummed out all the time. So could you. I can look and say, I'm meeting in a wedding venue with Shafan. Seriously, Jesus? I'm a man's man, and we got twinkle lights and Shafan. Hi, I'm Mark Crow, coming to you live from Mosaic Church. Okay, so anyway. Sad, sad scenario here. I should be preaching in a tuxedo every Sunday. Having spontaneous weddings. All right, so... <laughs> Difficulty in life is not always demonic. Get this down because in certain camps, everything's the devil's fault. And quite frankly, the devil gets way too much credit for our human stupidity. And uh, there are just times that things are difficult. And sometimes those difficulties create an incredible opportunity for us to really bring glory to God. If there's one reason I'm glad I'm back here, it's to show the world you don't have to live your life in the shadows of shame. My hero for the first 42 days of my journey were, was Job. Job's response in Job 13, 14 to his great dilemma, his great crisis, his great difficulty. A man who loved his kids with everything in him lost everything lost everything and Job refused to listen to his wife and curse God and die many questioned what Job had done and Job had done nothing as a matter of fact God put faith in Job when he looked at Satan and said have you have you tested my my servant Job have you seen my servant Job and God knew that Job would stay strong in many of our cases maybe we weren't as innocent as Job but let me tell you something God has faith in you God has faith that you can rise up out of the challenges, the failures, the flaws, the bankruptcy, whatever it is that you've gone through. God has faith that you can rise above those challenges. And Job said these words, why do I put myself in jeopardy and take my life in my hands? Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. I will surely defend my ways to his face. Indeed, this will turn out for my deliverance. For no godless man could dare come before him. Let me just tell you something. You and I are the righteousness of God in Christ. We can go face to face, not because we've been perfect and not because of our own human innocence, but because of the innocence we find under the blood of Jesus Christ. Now you can go to God and say, yes, I did. I made that mistake. But God, I stand innocent because of the work of your son, the one seated at your right hand right now, speaking in your ear, making intercession for my life. Don't you ever quit. Don't you ever quit. 
Stay synchronized with God in your faith because God is synchronized with your faith. Without faith, the Bible says it's impossible to please Him. And if you have faith as just as small as a grain of mustard seed that you can declare to the mountain that you're facing right now and say, be moved from here to there. Don't ever stop that confession. Quit begging and asking God and start putting faith in God saying, God, I don't know what the future holds, but I know you hold the future. And I'm looking at the obstacles in my life that are soon going to become opportunities in my purpose. And I am going to follow you and stay in faith, believing nothing is impossible with you. Nothing is impossible with you. Don't bow your knee to doubt and unbelief. This series is going to be an earth-shattering series. And those of you watching online, you don't want to miss a day. You don't want to miss being here. I'm telling you, something about touch. In a high-tech world, nothing will ever take the place of high touch. People say, what's going to happen to the church? Everybody can just sit at home and watch. That's great. I'm glad they can. But let me just tell you something. We need to gather together. We need to touch one another. We need to love one another. We need to encourage one another. So I challenge you. Step it up. And watch and see what God does. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. And I just want to just take one minute. And there are those of you here today that maybe you're not in sync with God because you've never put faith in God. And that's not to in any way condemn you or judge you. That's not what this is about. But let me tell you something. Some of you have said no to God or been silent toward God because you're afraid of admitting, God, I've got sin, like God's going to punish you. Your Father, your Heavenly Father today has arms wide open waiting to hear the words, Father, forgive me. Simple as that. Father, forgive me. I have sinned. Father, forgive me. He's waiting on those words. Not to punish you, but to set you free. If that's you today, say, man, please pray for me. I just want you to slip your hand and put it right back down. Just slip it up. Say, please pray for me. Yes, thank you. There are others? Yes, thank you. God bless you. So happy for you. We're all going to pray this with you. You're not going to be left alone. We're a family. So would all of you pray this with me right now? Say, Father God, I come to you today in faith believing that the cross of Christ took care of my sin. So Jesus, today, I call on your name. And with joy and faith... I declare I am forgiven and I am free. Amen.